Hey, ballers! Welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, the spooky edition. I don't know if we're going to call it that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> spooky balls. I love it. Spooky Let's balls. Do it. Spooky balls. We're the trio. <laughs> we're the trio just trying to stay alive like the Bee Gees. This is Mark along with John and Pete. As a kind reminder, if you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button. Tonight, we welcome to the podcast, Rick Nathan. Good evening, Rick. Oh, good evening, guys. Good Hi, to Rick. be with you guys. Yes, hello. Thanks for coming. Let's, uh, let's, uh, how's everyone been? John, let's start with you. I'm doing very well, actually. I um, mean, do you enjoy your break and happy belated birthday to your I wife, did. We Melanie? just were doing all birthday stuff. We, um... Mm-hmm. What did we do? We uh, had a party. That was really fun. And I kept feeding Mel bourbon, which was good until it wasn't. Which normally is <laughs> oh, how no. bourbon works. It's good that until it's exactly not. That is exactly how it works. <laughs> and um, what did we do? We have a Halloween thing tomorrow with Jamie. We're going to do a trunk or treat. Ooh. I'm going to go as Paul O'Neill because I have a Paul O'Neill jersey and our friends <laughs> have a big Afro wig. It's about this big. So I think you have that. to gain like 100 pounds too. <laughs> no, to not be, like, Paul, O'Neill. Paul O'Neill. Oh, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 90s Paul O'Neill, where he was 90s cool. 90s Paul O'Neill. When he was actually in shape. Was, he thought it was the 80s still. Oh. <laughs> and, um, I don't know, it's hot in this room. I'm kind of distracted by it. I think I'm going to turn my air conditioner on in October. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, Rick, it's been in the 70s in the, up in the Northeast the past couple days. Yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. I want to have a we double are, X again, because oh. I like to drink the double X. Ooh, I have a story about it, over. it being love warm. Southern Tier, not a sponsor. <laughs> yes, we would love for them to be a sponsor. How are you, Mark? Things are good. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I got my kickball playoffs coming up this weekend. Very excited Ooh. about that. All right. Explain so, to us kickball yeah. playoffs. So for those that don't know, I am in an adult uh, kickball league, and it is the same exact game that we played when we were younger, but uh, it's adults playing. It can be a little intense uh, <laughs> at times and competitive. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. I, I actually like to compare it to like a cult because it's something that I just keep going back and f- <laughs> back to as much. I mean, it's it's it is a lot of fun, and you everyone just can't quit adult. I kickball? can't quit. I can't quit adult kickball. It's you know what? It's like the last remaining adult sport that I do right now. <laughs> it's amazing, man. It's a lot of fun, and there's a big social aspect to it too because we like to. We'll usually hang out at, at the local bar uh, after after the games and and whatnot. So. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. And Pete, how Yo. about this? What, what give us an update on Baby Watch? <laughs> <laughs> so smooth with that. We're in the home stretch. I mean, it's like Steph you had is that still. Ready. You are I in know. the home stretch. I know. Steph is still feeling up and down. Unfortunately, I, I wish the third trimester would be easier for her. But uh, she, baby, is measuring well. We just had our last ultrasound last week, um, and he's up to like almost six pounds. Or no, I'm sorry, it was like two days ago. Uh, he's up to about six pounds now, and uh, almost yeah. there. Head down, so fingers crossed. Um, and I'm about to open this spooky pumpkin Ooh. beer. That pumpkin is winking at me, Pete. I'm scared. I know. <laughs> All right, let's get so. to know our guests a little bit better, shall we? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh. real quickly. Also, um, don't ever run when it's been cool and then it becomes 70 degrees in the middle of a giant valley because I ran through four miles of bugs. Bog? And it was the worst. Oh, bugs. No, bugs. <laughs> Literally just like, they're just pelting my eyes. I, I finished the run and my entire arms, everything was just bugs everywhere. It's you really need, you need protein while you run though, Pete. So Did you buy them? Did, did you have I a snack? Probably, <laughs> I probably inhaled a couple dozen of them. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, sorry. That's now go ahead. Funny. Now this is going to be a gross edition of the spooky edition. Anyway, yes. uh, let's get to know our guests a little better, shall we? Uh, now, Rick, you uh, you seem to like to live in warm weather climates. Uh, you've lived in New Mexico and now in Texas. Uh, can you share with us what it's like living in the South versus where we all currently live in the Northeast? Well, um, you know, it's, it's funny you're talking about the weather there because uh, this week it's in the mid 80s here in San Antonio. We've actually got some rain. So it's winter time. So it's it's winter, uh, yeah, and um, th- that's that's kind of just at the tail end of over a hundred days of of uh, over a hundred degrees, just hot mm. and dry. So it was uh, wow. it was a not not a good summer, but uh, man, that is hot. I was actually in Dallas in uh, the, at the end of of August, and yeah, so hundred degrees every single day, well over hundred degrees, and the lows were in like the 90s i think that week like it was oh, it was awful it was awful hot. i i felt b- bad uh we i mean we we've said this on the podcast before uh there are all, just about every bar in dallas at least the area that we were at had a rooftop bar to it and because of how just awful it was outside nobody was out was out there man that's bad when it's too hot for the rooftop bar yeah be nice a- this be nice this time of year though Mm. It, it is. I think starting starting now through through probably March, uh, it's going to be beautiful weather here in Texas. So that's that's really what you you have to enjoy. It's kind of the, the opposite of the the Northeast. So you want to be outside during the winter, uh, not not the summer. Mm. And because Mark brought it up, can we just speak to your time living in Albuquerque and how Walter White is as a person? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, is that pizza well, still on his roof? Is that I, pizza still <laughs> on his roof? Like these are interesting things that the people want to know. So, you know, the, the pizza, uh, that, that, house, I think they get a pizza like once a week. Um, they actually have a sign out front, really? like, please, That's please funny. don't pieces. That's funny. That's um, funny. but yeah, the, uh, I, I used to stop and get a breakfast burrito. Oh, probably three or four times a week. And, uh, I'd, I'd go to a place called Twisters Ooh. and, uh, that was, that was actually the fast food place from the show. So, oh, wow. Uh, okay. I mean, not, not branded Twisters. Twisters is the actual name, but, uh, right. That so was, it was the like the Dos Hermanos. The, the los- Poyos Hermanos building. Th- th- that's right. Yeah, it was. It was nice. that uh, that building. Um, the, it is the chicken man. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's what they say in um, Better Call Saul, which is uh, oh, yeah. the uh, the sequel prequel, which is actually very very good. If you guys haven't watched it yet, was it weird to like have a show based on the town that you were living in? Because they did a lot of in town shots, the car wash that they drove past all the time. I mean, just a lot of things in and around Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah, I, I passed that car wash on the way to work as well. Um, so uh, you know, it's just, it's not that big of a town, uh, Albuquerque, right? It's, right, uh, exactly. So, so uh, certainly, like everything, uh, you, you see everything. Um, it was a little bit weird. Uh, we actually kind of avoided the show for a while just because my wife's work was a little bit too close uh, to the... A little uh, close to home? A little close to home, you know, uh, dealing yeah, dealing with uh, court-mandated substance abuse. So I think she was w- wanted oh, yeah. to, to avoid that at, at, at home. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. Um, and Albuquerque is still capitalizing on that. If you go there, like you go to Old Town, uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, shops that sell different candies that are kind of... Uh, drug uh looking I, I don't know what happens if you try to fly with those so. <laughs> blue meth candy blue meth candy yeah amazing you do do a lot of flying so i would advise avoiding those well granted you're not there anymore but i don't know were you ever like offered some weird stuff on the street just uh no no just because you know i, I um 
for the most part, I did, I wasn't out and about in Albuquerque, uh, in those parts of Albuquerque. Well, what's um, the nightlife gosh. like in Albuquerque? Because isn't the average age of people in Albuquerque like eighty four? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a retirement <laughs> town. Um, <laughs> but but downtown it actually got a little little wild. So okay, um, downtown proper, you probably wouldn't want to be there too late at night. Uh, but Knob Hill, there's some there's some parts of town that were a lot of fun, kind of near the university. And mm-hmm. uh, Al- Albuquerque, I think probably pound for pound is is one of the best microbrew scenes in the in the U.S. Ooh, um, okay. You know, fifty some breweries, and uh, more importantly, they're they're really good. Uh, there's just some really solid beer. I've been dying to talk about this all week, uh, so <clears throat> I'm excited for this. Not only because we don't get a whole lot of chance to chat with you, Rick. I uh, wanted to have a chance. Yeah, I wanted to have a chance to talk to you about uh, one of my favorite things: space. Uh, for those who don't know you, um, what we know about your job is that you work with satellites. Uh, tell us more about the stuff you can tell us about your job. Um, your thoughts about low Earth orbit internet providers like Starlink. Um, when are they taking over the world? And what future <laughs> does space hold for us? Sure. Um, well, you know, I, I think right now it's a pretty exciting time uh, for space. And, and especially if you think about Leo, uh, the... the the cost to launch because of all of the different companies that are providing that service now has dropped, uh, you know, probably by an order of magnitude in the last couple of years. Mm. Right now, uh, S- SpaceX is the cheapest. It's like five, uh, you know, fifty five hundred bucks per kilogram, which which seems like a lot, but but not really. I mean, you can uh, you can launch kind of a refrigerator or mini fridge size satellite for three hundred or a Tesla. Or a Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> or a Tesla. Uh, that that you know, happen. very 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 capable. Um, so, so just pretty exciting and, you know, it's going to, uh, I I think we really haven't fully realized all the commercial applications. You know, if you think about the electric motor, uh, when factories first started using them, uh, there was about a 20 to 30 year period when the factories didn't get any productivity growth because they still had these factories that were vertical, like kind of based off of a central shaft that was powered by steam or, or a water wheel. And then, for, you know, eventually Ford came along and other folks and they, they built factories that were horizontal and you could take advantage of the efficiency gains. Um, I think it's kind of the same thing that you're seeing in space. Um, you, have, you have this technology and how do you leverage it? I mean, certainly Internet's one of those things, but probably IoT from space. Just uh, pretty exciting. And I, and I think that we're we'll, we'll also going to start seeing improvements in, um, in, in transportation to take advantage of some of these technologies, you know, get, get you places faster. That would be really cool. Well, one of the other things that I've always been intrigued about ever since playing SimCity 2000 was microwave power, where they launched these giant solar arrays into space that are just getting direct sun input and then beaming the energy down via microwave onto these big receptacle dishes from, from huge power plants and then powering like an entire city that way. Is that something that's just way sci-fi or do we actually have the technology or at least like ha- have the theories and, and, and like know how to make that as long as we could scale it up. Yeah, no, I, I think that's actually something that people are looking into. Um, mm-hmm. Right now it's not, it's not economically viable, but you know, I think certainly it could be. The, the other thing is you could actually shift some manufacturing to space, you know, take advantage of the power there. Mm, that's true. So, so you know, I, I, we'll, we'll see a lot more of that probably the next couple of decades. That part of it is well, as it becomes easier to get to space and cut back from space, the idea of settling the moon becomes kind of a reality. 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, you're seeing a lot of a lot of movement towards uh, you know making that more economical now too. Mm-hmm. If you think about uh, kind of enabling technologies for satellites, one of them is is global positioning, right? The fact that you have GPS and when you launch a satellite, the satellite can know where it is and what time it is based on this this uh, global uh, nav system. Yep. And, and so uh, various countries, U.S., China, um, are trying to build out uh, you know these these GNSS systems for the for the moon to provide that capability there. Hmm. And uh, I think that will open up commercialization of the moon. That's so cool. It's, it's just so so crazy to hear it, but it's like it's not I, that huge of a. Step. I mean, within our lifetimes, yeah. I would think, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I also read recently that there is some concern, um, and the reason we threw Starlink in the question is there's some concern that the Starlink satellites are going to crash and murder people soon. Are they too low of orbit or something? Or no, they just they'll just stop going eventually. That's what happens (laughs) with satellites. Yeah, Yeah, all satellites eventually, you know, they 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 fall back, and Leo satellites, uh, depending on on how high up, probably five years, you'll have reentry. I think the thing about Starlink is there are just so many of them. So yeah. many. You start having tens of thousands of satellites uh, re-entering every year. <laughs> Does That's anyone have any yeah. idea how many satellites are actually orbiting the Earth now? Way too many. Yeah, that's... There's actually just pretty good information him. about that. So the Air Force tracks everything. They track all the satellites. They track space junk um, mm. down to, you know... Six there's inch gotta size. be so much space junk up there now. There's yeah. there's a lot of space junk. Um, I mean, there's a Tesla. <laughs> yeah, there is a Tesla there. It kind of reminds me of the opening scene in Wall-E when they or right. when they finally go through to space and they have to like smash through a whole wall of satellites to get to get out of orbit. Yeah, that's that's the future. <sighs> nice, nice. It's both exciting and terrifying. And speaking of exciting and terrifying, um, <laughs> segue. Well, that's, look at that that's segue. Good. Look at that. Um, so, Rick, we haven't really spoken since you adopted your son. So, um, we wanted to take a moment to give you a really hearty congratulations. We're really happy for you. Um, with Pete, with fatherhood on the doorstep, uh, tell us about fatherhood, uh, the challenges of living with a seven-month-old, and what you're looking forward to the most. Oh well. Um, so I, I think that you know, Pete, you mentioned that the difficulty of the third trimester. You know, I, I hear a lot of people say like the, the, the first three months is the fourth trimester. And I think that's really, really true. Um, that's, and so yeah, yeah. that's, that's a tough couple months just from the fact of like, you're not sleeping. Um, you're having to, you're having to feed the baby every three hours, uh, which, which you think would mean you could get three hours of sleep, but really that means you can get like an hour of sleep, you know, kind of starting from there and just things get more exciting. And so just the last couple of days, my son's been, um, you know, he's not quite crawling yet, but he's, he's, he's getting up and kind of spinning around and, and getting pretty close to, uh, to getting into everything. Uh, so, so, you know, That's looking awesome. forward, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, it's, uh, it's been fun, uh, you know, um, fun. he's not, he's not <laughs> old enough to, to understand jokes yet. But, uh, oh, I, you know, verbal jokes, but he will, physical comedy he, he likes, right? So, okay. uh, so he'll, uh, but I seem to remember yeah. when Jamie was really little too, she would, she would always love when I would like accidentally bump into stuff hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. She thought it was the funniest kids, kids thing. Kids love ever. it when adults hurt themselves. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> absolutely. They think it's, yes, and just it's like big arms and loud noises, not loud noises, but like when you're being big and silly and like, they get that. I mean, they get a lot mm-hmm. of things. I say it, and it's not untrue, that the first couple of months, they're really just complicated pets. 
Yeah. And, you know, because they don't really look at you and they don't really speak to you, but like two or three or four moments, like it's, it's bred into us that they're cute, right? And that, that we instantly love them. And so like all of that really bad stuff, like the no sleep and the, 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 the midnight things and the 4 a.m. things and the 6 a.m. things. I mean, it it's all makes it, it's just, it all fades away into the background. It's all it does. Oh, absolutely. Rick, can you tell us a little bit more about the adoption process? Like, how long did you and Windsor have to wait? Where, what country is your son from? And what, because this is something that's um, obviously very personal to me since I was adopted as well. Sure. So he, uh, he's, he's from Texas. Um, okay. The far, far land of Texas. <laughs> far, far land of Texas. Um, and I would say probably about six months uh, from when we started working with, with, uh, with this agency. Um, now, you know, we've been, we've been trying to adopt for, for a lot longer than that. I think Yeah, you did probably, fostering for a while, yeah, it's right? It's been a long yeah. time. Yeah. We were, we were foster fostering. Um, well, we went through the process in New Mexico. We got licensed and we moved to Texas, right? Uh, right. When that happened. So then we, we got to Texas and you have to kind of start over. Yeah. Um, but we had, uh, we had a couple of placements here and, uh, and, and had, um, you know, some infants and toddlers that we were taking care of. Uh, for, for a number of months, um, and uh, and then my son this time, like we just we just went through a uh, a, a private adoption rather than uh, than from foster care, and uh, I, you know I think we might uh, go, go back in the in the future and, and do fostering again, uh, work with the state, but um, you know the goal of w- when you're fostering the goal is is reunification and uh, yeah. yeah and you know helping uh, so you're part of a team that's that's helping the parents and and. Um, you know, kind of get get back on track. So, so private adoption was 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 very different. You still have a lot of scrutiny from the state. So, you know, they they do a home study, and then uh, I think we we had like seven inspections of our house, kind of since since Ooh. he he came here. Um, oh wow! And there's there's actually, so many hurdles you have to go through to to adopt a, a yeah. Kid. There, there's there's quite a few. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of of uh, legal paperwork, and 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 uh, you have to have. Uh, a lawyer draft up a lot of a, a lot of documents, but it's it's really it's it's not too bad. Um, I, I think the, the waiting uh, can be tough because you just don't know, right? Um, and it, it really depends entirely, I think, on the situation. And you know, private adoptions, um, the, the birth mom picks you, so you have a book you put together. It's kind of like a resume, and 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 you you know uh, describe yourself and your your marriage and uh, kind of your your thoughts on parenting, what you what you. Uh, the aspirations you'd have for kids and uh so you know you, you kind of put yourself out there and then then really it's just uh c- comes down to when that choice is made yeah actually we're we're uh so we have a finalization court hearing in a couple weeks and and then that'll be kind of the end of the process um that's so, awesome so pretty excited thanks rick Very all right cool. everyone josh shall we kick off the shindig hell yeah yes I love it. I like that. <laughs> Print it. Definitely right. not going to get demonetized. Nobody cares about uh, Vanilla Ice at all. Oh, remember when we saw him in, the, in an alleyway in Albany? Yes, I do remember. And he beat the crap out of his drums. Yeah, I need a futon. <laughs> Anybody got a futon? Because he was already poor. It was like 15 years ago. Oh more, than that. more than that. All right. More than that. Shit. Back, to, than back that. to our regular schedule program. So, frequent guest of the podcast, Matt Angier's cousin, Justin Fields, suffered a dislocated thumb a couple of weeks ago, and he missed his last start. Uh, in comes little-known quarterback, 
Tyson Bagent, who was not drafted, uh, but he came from Division II school, Shefford University in West hmm. Virginia. Now, he ultimately led the Bears to a win against the Raiders, although he did benefit from a good running game and three interceptions thrown by Vegas quarterbacks. Now, he's slated to start again this week against the Los Angeles Chargers. So, everyone, who the hell is Tyson Bajan? <laughs> is he the next Brock <laughs> Purdy? And is there a QB controversy in Chicago? No. Next topic. <laughs> that I mean, I... I I just don't buy bad teams beating each other as controversy. I mean, who cares? <laughs> who cares <laughs> if the, who cares if the Bears yeah. beat the Raiders? Well, and and the Raiders they were working with a, a a backup quarterback as well. They had Brian Hoyer, who I keep forgetting is still in the league. And this is like he's still there. Wait, really? This yes. season is a wow. murder fest. Like just straight up, everybody's injured. Everybody. Everybody who's playing is injured. injured. Everybody's injured. Yeah. Except for Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs. Like, my fantasy season is a tell of that. Like, I had a pretty good team going in, and then it just all fell apart. They all got hurt. They all got yeah, hurt. Yeah, I mean... Um, God beat. Who's who's the big guy in the draft, though? I, I do feel like Chicago is... Caleb Williams. In. Caleb Williams, Caleb. yeah. I, I do feel like there's no controversy this year, but... I mean, you gotta you gotta think that they're gonna be gunning to draft him. I mean, he's gonna go number one overall. So I don't know if it's him. Uh, who's who's down at the bottom right now? Carolina, or do they have a? Few There's wins? a lot of one win. There's teams. a lot of one win teams. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, some two win teams. Maybe, two maybe teams. in a sense, like if they think Fields is too good and they really want to move on. I mean, uh, and might, I don't think see more of this guy. I think that the Bears at least were somewhat smart, not trading away their first pick for value and trying to get more depth, which is, I think what teams need to start doing. Like you can't even, even Caleb Williams, honestly, you can't win a, uh, an NFL season with just Caleb Williams. Right. I mean, you, you need can't. something around him. Yeah. You, you need a, you need an offensive line. I mean, this is, I, I've said this a bunch. This is what the Bengals did. They, they drafted Joe Burrow and then they spent the next two seasons just drafting O-line building around him. Yeah. Just yeah. building and around receivers. him. They're like, well, two, he, two and receivers, Two number right. one receivers in a row. Right. Exactly. Meanwhile, the Bears, they keep going through head coaches like they're like, you know, Cheez-Its on the floor. And yeah. um, like the, it's, it's been utter chaos in, in Chicago. I it's it's hard for anyone to succeed in Chicago. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I do have some stats on on Mr. Bajan, though. Okay. He was the uh, the 2021 Harlan Hill Trophy winner, which is the Division two equivalent of the Heisman Trophy. He so he won that in his junior year at Shefford University. Uh, he also has the most completions uh, in a D two career, most passing yards, most touchdowns, and most yards of total offense in his career. And in those are all Division two <laughs> records. I'm sorry, John. How many Division two records do you have? <laughs> okay, I'm going to bring it close to home. All right, I know of, I know a D three school who had a defensive coordinator who became the offensive coordinator in the New England Patriots. And we know how that went. You actually knew him? No, but I mean, we went <laughs> I to think school. Arne knew him. Oh, I think yeah, Arne yeah, knew him. Yeah, he was Arne, an RPI I think guy. I definitely knew. Yeah, he was an RPI guy. I mean, it's Wasn't not that Division three though? Yeah, Division yes. three, right. And he Division is two a, like, is in Division three, and Division one is in Division two. It's different. He was also it's an like, elite level D coordinator as well, though. Our alma mater also <laughs> had <laughs> <am> I, <laughs> Our alma mater <laughs> yes. actually had a... Uh, a kicker on the Dolphins for like a season as well. Really? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, kickers don't count either, man. 
You know, <laughs> I just found out that Jake, long. I just found out that Mr. Chokes a lot, Jake Moody, is a rookie. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I was just like, why is Jake huh. why does why do the 49ers have such a bad <laughs> kicker? I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, because he's a rookie. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so Mr. Bajan is also, uh, he was, he took over as the number two quarterback during week four and Pete, guess who he overtook? Ooh. Nathan Former Peter. Buffalo Bills great Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peter. That's not saying much. Oh, I think Nathan, Nathan Peterman, Peterman statistically for his career is the worst quarterback that's ever played in the NFL. Yes. I mean, that's compared to probably like, and he, just cause that one game that we watched to Collins, yeah. right? Just right. that one and game. That's probably compared to like. The terrible Gabriel Bartholomew Garfunkel that played the 1927 <laughs> New York athlete. Can you I don't know. say all of that again? Because no. that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it I was just, probably back then when all the football radio announcers talk like this. Now, see, now they're going oh, down the 25 my, yard line. And then, okay. That's, that's my enough. favorite Pete voice. Okay. My favorite one. <laughs> so, so, Rick, to, br- to bring Rick, to bring you in on this topic a little bit, could you imagine Sorry. if the people above you and around you like turned over like every two to three years? Like, how chaotic would that be? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 a tough, uh, you know, tough to run an organization that way. No. Well, you just never have the same product manager, right? <laughs> the product manager is always different. It's always different every year. Yeah, it's borderline dysfunctional. I mean, the Bears aren't very well run, and they haven't been a long, long time. They mm-hmm. just haven't been. So, so I don't think I've ever heard of somebody coming from the Shepherd Rams, though. So it's, it, it, is this like, this must, <laughs> he must be huge back for his college fan base. I, I got to believe so. Yeah, yeah. And look he, at uh, look at Rick drop the copy. He knew the Shepherd Rams. Yeah. He knew the nickname <laughs> of the of Shepherd. Yeah. That was awesome. Space, the final frontier. These are the conversations of the next topic. <laughs> Pete, I'm telling you, man, you're really good at those. And to speak about space, <laughs> I was thinking and I talked about Pete at the beginning of the week when this came out. A very interesting news came out of space this week. Astronomers revealed that in June of this past year, they received a fast radio burst that traveled a whopping 8 billion years before it reached us. Uh, this is a record of both distance traveled and strength of an FRB fast radio burst signal uh exactly what causes frbs is one of astronomy's great mysteries but the running theory however is they are created by magnetars i had to look up this word uh, which occurs when a star (laughs) there's so much science in this uh, um disturbances (laughs) on the surface of uh, the strong magnetic field that uh, encompasses a magnetar explains the frbs that have been noticed by us in 1979 1998 2004 and 2023 and so my question um, aliens is do we think this signal is a dying breath from a star that exploded billions of years ago or is it something else I, I think we're just starting to see some of these uh, fast radio bursts that are that are repeating um, and some of them repeating quite often so, so I, I don't I don't know I mean I, I don't think that points to a dying star um, or, or, or even uh, one of these magnetars, you know, like a neutron star with this incredibly powerful magnetic right. field, especially considering parts of the sky they come from. So I, I actually think we have no, no clue, <laughs> just in the dark. I mean, there's also uh, a lot about uh, galactic, like, like quasar, you know, behaviors that we've, I mean, certainly we haven't seen everything out there. I mean, there's yeah, like 13 billion years worth of, of stuff that's, that's happened so far, roughly, give or take. So Why is this FRB news? Because, like, as a layperson, um, on 
astronomy and satellites and all this stuff. I think I know, um, but Rick, you probably know it's better. It's the first one that I've heard of, and there's been, I looked it up, there's been six. And so why is this one news? Uh, well, I, you know, I think maybe the repeating nature, but um, they're, they're a pretty new phenomenon. Uh, we, we didn't even really know that these things existed until maybe 15 years ago. Okay. And, um, you know, I think we've gone back, like you said, we've gone back and found some signals. But the, the last couple of years, we've had this huge advancement in uh, radio astronomy. And, and so our ability to, to detect these things, um, you know, is, is just dramatically expanded. And it's, it's by and large, it's, it's based on, um, you know, uh, both stable oscillators are getting rapidly better every year. And then our ability to, to convert from analog to digital, uh, you know, gets about every 18 months, we, we double the, uh, the signal to noise ratio we can achieve. That's still amazing. And so, That's yeah, cool. it's, it's, it's been crazy. And, uh, you, you know, you think about like Arecibo and some of these big radio astronomy, you know, because that's kind of the most famous, right? It's, it's in uh, Bond. Um, that was made in 1963. And this, the systems that are actually capturing these signals now, they don't have the same aperture. They're not that big. But what they do have is they have the ability to measure uh, phase differences uh, very accurately. And, and so basically what you can do is you can tell if a radio wave hitting the Earth is a plane wave or if it's, or if it's kind of coming out spherically, right, which tells you how far away it is. And, oh, and that ability cool. to detect plane waves uh, with these new sensitive instruments is really what I think triggered the, the first um, detection of these things. Uh, but, but, you know, we're so much better at it today than we were even five years ago. Is that how they know that, that this cool. one's been traveling for, you said, 8 billion years, John? 8, 8 billion, billion years. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 measuring, uh, it's measuring the curvature of the wavefront. That's, that's so cool. That's, that's so awesome. one of the things, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, um, one of the reasons they're excited about these now is that they may be able to use them to potentially uh, chart in some way, like some of the missing matter that we haven't been able to account for. So like you, you have, right, all of the universe is theoretically the current knowledge and i'm sure that we are far misunderstanding it you know reality but uh we assume it's mostly dark energy which we have no clue about um then there's about 20 something percent dark matter which we sort of maybe kind of know about or have at least a clearer idea and then only like five percent of actual matter and of that actual matter we haven't even accounted for like a third of it it, it's something along those lines and i i was reading somewhere that that these Radio bursts may be some way that we can almost kind of measure or detect some of that extra like rogue just gas, like like hydrogen helium gas just floating out there that's not part of any galaxies that's so undetectable any other way. I think that's the exciting thing here because really, I mean, most science, scientific advances, right? It's when you, you get data and it doesn't make any sense and you're like, well, that's weird. <laughs> and uh, and this is weird, right? And we're getting a lot more data. It's really weird. Yeah, so so I, th I think uh, it's exciting because um, like you said, we, we really don't know a lot about about what's out there. And at least one Harvard professor, which I read, um, one Harvard professor said it could be alien because they just don't really know. They just don't know. We don't know what yeah. we don't know. I mean, I guess to talk a little non-science, um, it would be naive of us to think that we're the only shred of intelligent life in an infinite galaxy. The universe just, is too big. It's yeah. a probability question at that point, right? The problem is it's like, infinitely likely that there is something else out there but it's also infinitely unlikely that will ever be that that is actually close enough for us to ever even know that it's there right exactly i mean exactly. like this thing this thing got to us finally right got to us you know after eight billion years after it happened <laughs> so it's kind of right. like you know right. so 
some some alien civilization eight billion years away or light years away from us it's like whoa what is this looney tunes like what what, what are we getting like <laughs> oh never mind yeah that was written eight billion years ago humankind is probably long gone by then or or nothing resembling what we are now well, and because, right, don't it's we have crazy. to assume that the rest of the galaxy has to uh, has to live in our laws of physics unless they have well, found well, a way rest to the surpass universe, our yeah. laws of physics? Right. I mean, unless you're so like we, that Futurama episode where somehow they like each box contained a universe and they did some trick where they were holding a box that contained our own universe. I don't remember how that episode went. Monte, the universe is amazing. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. They're like, Fry, don't shake the universe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, do you want a next topic? <laughs> that one makes me uncomfortable. All right. <laughs> now, John, you you've completely changed the order of my topics. Anyway, that's how I do. <laughs> we're going to talk we're going to continue some space talks. Space. Um, now, it's not recent news that Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos, and Elon Musk are trying to commercialize space travel. However, the price tag for a seat on one of their spacecrafts is hundreds of thousands of dollars. According to Revvine.com, it costs 500 k for SpaceX, 450 k for Virgin Galactic, and a discounted $200,000 to $300,000 for Blue Origin. So, everyone, do we feel that space travel will be made available in our lifetime for those not in the Uber class? I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's like taking a submarine to the bottom of the ocean and killing yourself because you're too rich to be excited about. That's too to be excited about normal shit, right? We talked so about right that in now, a previous episode. Right now, it's a little gimmicky, um, and it is for the super rich, right? Because it's you know a commercial yeah. air, you know a commercial space line has only been up three times, right? I mean, I'm still like, convinced. That when um, Bezos's giant giant penis rocket went up, um, <laughs> that that they, carrying they William went, Shatner, mind you, carrying William Shatner, that they all went to Bezos's secret evil moon base and they talked about their world takeover plans. Because I mean, that is equally as likely as you know. But will it be in our future? I think so. Um, and like I said, I think that in the our idea, lifetime, yeah. Because I think the idea of settling settling the moon, at least in some way, is probably going to happen in our lifetime. Once that happens, Ooh. you know, why wouldn't it, right? Because we can already Whoa. go, and we can already come back, mm. um, we can already bring heavy machinery up. All it takes is some enterprising young billionaire to decide that he's going to build some port or, you know mineral deposit place i mean it just people have to get there where are they going to get people, water on the moon john they're going to bring water it there right and they're going to bring it yeah why not why wouldn't they bring water rick didn't they detect water in the moon for civilization yeah yeah actually um I, I i worked on the uh the, the radar uh that detected um you know what they think is ice on the on some of the dark yeah. craters ah, that's fucking cool that's so cool <laughs> i mean it um, is really cool yeah Will would like to remind everyone that water is like really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But uh, SpaceX, SpaceX is what you said fifty about fifty dollars a kilometer. Is that? Or I mean, kilometer, kilogram. Oh, oh, uh, 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 no, about about five thousand a kilogram. Five thousand a kilogram. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the funniest thing about the you know when William Shatner was there, he he landed and he's standing there next to Bezos. And he's trying to describe like the beauty and the majesty of space and Bezos and the is horror like, okay, too, right? get out of here. 
Yeah, I um, remember Basis like popped a champagne all over him, and Shatner I think said like "fuck you." I'm yeah. trying to say something important here. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a good, good clip. That was incredible. That's amazing. Um, but I, I think that we'll have uh, you know I, I think that the moon makes a lot more sense for colonization than Mars. I don't really you know Mars is too far away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the near term, in our lifetime. Um, but the other thing I think we'll see is I think we'll see you know something that's not quite. Uh, space uh tr- travel like you're not going to take you're not taking a, a rocket to the moon per se but you might take it between new york and, and paris and get there in an hour and that's actually uh that, that's something that folks are working on right now like sub sub uh sub hour travel uh, hour mm-hmm. travel to kind of anywhere uh in the on the globe i'm for anything awesome. that makes traveling on this particular globe well traveling between places that we could do so it's like as opposed to hours like shortening that to mere minutes I, i'm all for that yeah i'm sure the, the tsa line will probably take up the the slack but um. <laughs> what um what type of propulsion are you talking about for that because i mean you're not going to use rocket fuel for all these commercial things it'd be way too expensive but like scramjet is that an idea for that or is that is that not uh viable at um, high enough altitudes I, I don't know. I think you might see you might see some rocket, uh, some liquid fuel in the in the short term. Um, okay. But yeah, you know, may, maybe a scramjet, maybe something different. But and why would you pick Blue Origin? Because I mean, yes, they're cheaper. But like, what corners are they cutting? I mean, is the meal way worse? Like, no, <laughs> no, yes, because no you have a hundred thousand dollar meal on on SpaceX, yes. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Like, do you get oh, those, one fe- f- those space peanuts are so much one fewer <laughs> serving of the space ice cream? You know, if, if you look at NASA, you have a failure rate in manned spaceflight about one in a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And so I, I don't really think these commercial companies beat that. So mm. I, you don't want to go with the lowest bidder if you already have. You well, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're not trying to be say. better than NASA. They're just trying to do it cheaper. Right. If you're already six yeah. figures you know in you may as well go for the best one that's right because you figure you're already like five percent chance of uh of not making it so right yeah, yeah with that's five percent what's a little five near five percent <laughs> that is amazing though. I, I you know it's it's so cool that we could see this stuff in our lifetime and like see the first honeymoon on the moon <laughs> it's, I mean, it's possible <laughs> sorry I, I sorry i could do this all day but i, I really am it really is fascinating Pete, this episode is just for you, man. Just in case you have to be done next I'm, week. I'm so happy. Thank you so much, Rick. <laughs> we haven't had a space now, now, episode yet. You know, we do have. We do realize that we have to call the Spaceballs now. Although I think we've already we already have an episode called. We space might get balls. I think We have an episode called Spaceballs. Didn't we we'll do, do that spa- with Doug? We'll do space Spaceballs. It's fine. Spaceballs totally too. The search for there more money, right? There we go. Right, <laughs> right, <yes>. we can <laughs> do some- we'll have to take a look. Can we just focus on the penis rocket just for a second? Why do you want to focus yeah, on a penis rocket? Well, I was going to go. I was going to bring back to what, know what Shatner said. We already know it looks said. like a penis. Yeah. <laughs> what did Shatner say, Pete? So what, one of the things that Rick alluded to, you know, he was being very waxing poetic about, you know, how beautiful it was and everything too. But he also talked about just how freaked out he was when he had this realization that it was like, there's so little atmosphere here. Like everything we know was gone in less than a minute when they launched straight up. And he's like, all I saw was death. Yeah. Up, up there it, it was i mean of course he's he's definitely i'm shattering it but if that's a verb but like 
it still it does kind of is a verb. come to home that we're way more fragile than we think. So it's like all this stuff is great, but I mean, uh, if we're going to include a lot more space travel, like we're saying, needing to rely on liquid fuel, the stuff that's incredibly polluting and, and more damaging to an already fragile ecosystem, like I just hope that they're also trying to develop, you know, much more efficient, economically efficient and environmentally efficient means to do it as well. That well, was partially why um, I was asking, like, what alternative propulsions could be used for this. Um, SpaceX want to save the planet and Blue Orbit wants to abandon the planet. I mean, eventually... <laughs> We <laughs> will run out of fossil fuels because there's no more dinosaurs and we don't have 10, uh, you know, we don't have the time to make more oil. And so Isn't that what Jurassic Park was actually doing was just to make more oil. <laughs> yes. Make more dinosaurs. To make more oil. <laughs> we can do that. That, that totally worked out for them. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's a conservation question. The human race is going to keep growing. Right. And I watched enough science fiction movies to know that we're the thing that's going to kill the planet. Um, and totally. <laughs> totally completely and so in an idea that eventually we'll need to abandon the planet i think that we need to start right because mm. you know we're not going to stop burning fossil fuels we're not going to stop me out, john well we're not going <laughs> to stop polluting the environment because at the end of the day not enough people are interested in it right i mean we have to convince china not to be polluting how are we going to convince china not to be polluting remember all those you know, crazy cool artist renderings back in like the 80s and 90s of like these uh, space stations above Earth that are ha- habitable and, and rotate to yeah. simulate 1G and have like fake skylight and, you know, parks. I think and, that's a great solution for a portion just, of the population, right? <laughs> Could you imagine if that actually, if it actually came to that? I don't know about it in our lifetime, but I don't know. I'd like to get more Rick's thoughts on this before we close out this topic. Um, well, you know, I, I think that what's really going to push space travel in our lifetime is a commercial application. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, yeah. you know, if you, you think that maybe there's some benefits to making silicon in, in a low gravity environment or uh, something like that, less impurities when you're, you're doping the, the wafers. Um, but, w- you know, once you get that, that killer application, uh, you'll have some commercial drive uh, to, to push it forward. Um, but I, I do think about like this this idea of, of going to other planets and terraforming them, and um, you know, like clearly Elon Musk wants to do that with Mars. Uh, mm. You know, and I, I think this idea of like us destroying the planet is part of that. But to me, it seems like if you could terraform Mars, you could fix the planet, right? I mean, it's <laughs> right. it seems like an easier, true, right? yeah. yeah, it seems um, easier to just use you know wind energy instead <laughs> and just but, stay, be fine. Yeah, I mean, people people are the are the issue. I mean, you have to figure out how to motivate it. Um, right. And, and it probably is going to have to be technology. Uh, you know, it's not going to be uh, appealing to their goodwill, right? That's not going to change China. Uh, it has to be economically better yeah. to use solar or, or nuclear or something else. Right. And I, I'm excited because, I mean, solar it's just seems to be getting better and better every day. And that is something that, you know, we we could use more and more in space as well. So... Um, I'm I'm just hoping we we get that technological and economic viability breakthrough, you know, before it's too late. Now, I mean, this this probably wouldn't work for people, but but in terms of launching satellites, there's a couple of companies working on flywheel technologies, uh, hmm. where you basically oh. have this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so they just spin it real fast and spin it so fast yeah. that there's so much acceleration, it just like slingshots into orbit. Yep. That's and amazing. so, you know, That's people are awesome. looking at that and, and yeah. some other things that are, that are, you know, kind of moving away from the rockets, moving away from, uh, 
And it just saves so much energy because if you're only shipping the device, right? If you think about a rocket, most of the mass that you're moving, that Delta V it is the rocket itself. That's true. Um, so it's a lot better if you can just get get to the payload it's, is the only thing you're you're launching. Been go I've been going back and forth with Will on uh, in the chat. And I just I just want to mention this because I think it's actually pretty funny. Could you guys imagine if Spirit started a space travel? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're looking for cheaper space travel, right? Spirit could definitely uh, do that. Char Spirit charge for oxygen, right? It's charge Spirit for oxygen. Oh, of course. Me, man. Charge for as a, oxygen. As, as opposed to a one in a hundred chance of dying, right. you might have like a one in two. We guarantee you <laughs> to get from A to B. Just charge you to, to have an atmosphere, right? You, you have the vacuum <laughs> yes. in the space if you're not... Sorry, your credit card is declined. <laughs> Spirit Airlines, sponsor of the next topic. And so we're going to talk about now something completely different. The long battle by Microsoft to acquire a major game developer, Activision Blizzard, is finally complete. And as the dust settles, really? the yeah, yep. as the dust settles, the overall game plan is starting to become clear. In an interview this week, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadala has revealed that the company is looking forward to really doubling down, both as a game producer and a publisher. Uh, we do remember this kind of talk when Halo and Destiny developer Bungie spent some time as a Microsoft company. And so now, with the staff and power of an international game development industry, no matter how much on fire. Uh, what do we think Microsoft can do for the gaming industry? And how are licensing services like Game Pass, as well as cloud gaming, uh, being on the horizon, changing the way our games are played and delivered? Do we have a final price tag on this uh, acquisition? $69 billion. Nice. Yeah, $69 billion. Hey. That's it? Yep. I can't That's even imagine it. that number of money. They were just talking about NVIDIA failing to purchase ARM, like this giant global chip manufacturer that would have world uh, impact. And that's... 40 billion that's significantly less than buying a video game company it's crazy hi jamie you know but microsoft could have got like two ships and star citizen for that too so <laughs> oh snap <laughs> that's so funny oh man i think that um nadala is a very smart executive and um i think honestly he's one of my favorite thoughtful executives the idea of um, wing, um, cloud-based gaming, I think is a very big moneymaker, honestly. Um, but to do that, um, something like Battle.net, which really, when you think about all the different um, distribution platforms for gaming, um, Battle.net is the first, really, the first one before Steam, they, before they anything. Before it was than... a, well, oh, they, they oh, existed oh, first chronologically, before, okay. Yeah, they existed before say, Steam, Steam is right? probably bigger. I mean, yeah. Steam is Steam, but Valve... Yeah. decided they, they were going to make a thing, but they made that thing when Battle.net already existed. In an idea, and I was an early adopter, and I argued it till the day I was, you know, till I was blue in the face, but I was an early adopter of Stadia. I liked the idea of Stadia. I mean, it fell on its face because it wasn't <laughs> Xbox or PlayStation, but they the just idea of full um, distribution of gaming to any device in the whole wide world over the internet, because everybody at that point has, you know, super fast internet is really, really, really appealing. I mean, to not buy a computer to play a AAA game, I love that. I just love that. So I have, I have a stupid question. I mean, you guys are definitely a little bit more, you're, you're more of a gamers than, than I am. Um, mm -hmm. How does this acquisition, you think, affect mobile gaming? Uh, well, I mean, they, they own bought Candy King. Crush, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they own Candy Crush. So that's something. But do you, do you think maybe that we're, we're, this is kind of an effort to make it a little bit more readily of available like because i kind of see because you see everyone's playing games on their phones now right 
They're, people are yeah. using consoles. They just want to. And, well, and that's maybe why you, I bring up the idea of cloud gaming. Mm-hmm. I think cloud mm-hmm. gaming is maybe the purpose of, of the acquisition to really prep themselves for the next 10 years with a, yeah. like a whole. I mean, it's a it's a it's a 69 billion dollar company with 69 billion dollars worth of industry professionals. I, I'm just thinking that, you know, the, the interesting thing about the, that that dollar amount is, um, you know, when we, when we graduated. Oh, yeah. And besides it being hilarious, when, when we graduated uh, RPI, I think the gaming industry was like 10 billion annual uh, revenue. Mm, the entire right industry. now it's only sitting at like 160 billion or something. I, I, I don't know. But but that's it. So, yeah. But <laughs> if you think about, you know, the, the amount of money they spent on this company acquisition is like the entire half of the entire. It's industry. almost. Yeah, it's almost the entire. industry. Um, I am amazed so, so that I, it was that high. Yeah, that, so that's that's a ton of money, but I, I think it has to be probably targeted at cloud gaming and mobile. Um, and one of the things I think that's so interesting about about the cloud gaming is that it's not just the, the fact that it's it's nice not to have to keep getting uh, uh, GPUs, which are which are hard to get because of uh, Bitcoin. But um, <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, it's also AI, but yeah, our AI, yeah. But um, the, the big thing is the revenue stream. You know, I, I think that these games cost money continually, right? So the companies need mm-hmm. money to be coming in uh, on a monthly basis, and so the the idea of like selling a game subscription, it, yeah, it's got to be a subscription, and uh, people don't want a subscription, no, for a game. But no. if if it's a cloud, you're you're subscribing to the platform, mm-hmm. and I think right. that's more palatable. I mean, also in the acquisition of Activision Blizzard, not only do they get the biggest shooter, one of the, you know, the top three, right? One of the top three biggest shooters in the whole world, which is very profitable, but they get the whole infrastructure of the Blizzard side, which is the World of Warcraft server infrastructure, the, you know, the Diablo server infrastructure, the Diablo 2 server infrastructure that has existed for the last 25 years. I mean, they get a lot of like networking elements and cloud elements and things that they can use to really build this thing out um, because um xcloud which is microsoft's um cloud gaming solution is good i mean it wasn't stadia good performance wise and i tested them both but what it does i think have, they probably surpassed where stadia was though what it does have but... though and and the reason i bring it up is game pass has totally changed the rules and so because Microsoft is Microsoft, they can have most games be licensed, most games be available on cloud. So the idea of subscribing to Game Pass, which gives you, let's just say, 500 games, it's something along that line. And being able to play them without downloading them on any device you own in an instant is very, very, very appealing. And on your phone when you're on the bus, right? I mean, on your phone when you're on the bus, you can play right. you know, Modern Warfare with um, the back, have you guys seen Backbone? You put your phone into a controller and then it becomes your gaming console. Yeah. Right? How great is that? Yeah, that does give you that console level kind of experience right wherever. So that, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's going to be a big draw. And I mean, Nintendo, in a way, kind of actually pioneered this idea with a Switch, but of course that's hardware bound to a single console. And I was hoping that from there, you know, you would take it to more this truly like hardware uh you know bespoke hardware or any kind of hardware exclusivity is no longer a thing i don't know if what what you call that but hardware agnostic that's what i you know i said that i, I know, know you said, that, said that that wasn't the right right word for it but i feel like that's what it is it's like you buy a piece of software and you should have the license to just play that on whatever hardware you want or 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 remotely right from the cloud like uh, like we're talking about here, 
So that that's a great segue to a question that kind of popped in my head. How how does this acquisition you you think affect you guys land parties and land fest or does it does it affect it at all? Uh, I don't think it affects it at all. I think Blizzard short as term, a company, anyway. Activision Blizzard as a company, um, even though they are not going to be traded um, on the market anymore and they're not a company anymore, they're becoming a Microsoft product for at least as long as they decide to. Um, because Bungie got out, right? Um, will still exist. Blizzard games will still exist. World of Warcraft yeah. will still exist. All these things will still continue. Um, so I don't think it'll affect anybody really, except for like the shareholders, like me. I got all my stock bought out at ninety five dollars a share, which was like a it's like a seventy dollar increase where I bought it for when Activision took over Pretty many good. years ago. Nice. Um, oh, I wish we had a ching ching. And so that was tight for a little while. And because everybody who knows better has heard about the f- garbage fire that uh, Activision Blizzard was. I mean, it was a very chauvinistic, poor place to work for a long, long time. But I mean, and that that is kind of a teller of the whole entire game in- industry as a whole. So I think Microsoft, a company that is committed to being carbon negative even, um, is for a major organization, probably one of the better run ones. Um, I think it's a good sign for gaming, honestly. You know, I do think the one thing that will change for the land parties moving forward is this shift to cloud. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I could see us in five years mm. not having to haul computers, just yeah. bringing our phone and a controller. And, and I think a, it's a close. Monitor, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's and true. It, it is as close as high-speed internet accessibility increases, and it will because of phones, so... The latency, rancher latency too, is the big thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have a next topic, Mister. Ask about a next topic all the time. So the University of Michigan <laughs> is well versed in college athletics. They have a renowned history, especially in basketball and football. Now, the head coach of the football team is Jim Harbaugh, and he is no stranger to controversy. The most recent comes from allegations of them stealing signals from their opponents during the games. <gasps> now. A Michigan staff member has been accused of buying tickets at games to film and steal future opponents' signals, which is against NCAA regulations. In fact, Sports Illustrated even interviewed a former Michigan student that was the recipient of multiple text messages from this staffer, kind of blabbing about how how he's been doing this. So, everyone, what do we feel will happen to Michigan and head coach Jim Harbaugh after the recent scandal where they are being accused of stealing signals? College sports has no rules. I mean, college sports just, has no good. They'll probably just pretend it didn't happen and throw out the tapes, just like the Patriots from 01 to 06, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Sorry. Um, and, the, and the Patriots did get, get, did get I, I penalized know, for Spygate. Yes. Now, it's, it was funny. So I was watching the shows today. Uh, I was watching uh, part of the interruption, not a sponsor. Um, and they were talking about this and they were joking. It's like, well, how come no one has like come to the defense of Jim Harbaugh or really just kind of lambasted him with a bunch of like, like oh, yeah, that's cheating. And right. they were joking that everybody does this. Everybody steals signals. Right. I'm sure every team attempts it. Some are more successful than others. That's probably there was there was a uh, there was a recent college football game where I forget who the opponents were. I think it was I think I think it was in the Pac-10 and they were facing against like like Washington University or something like that or University of Washington and their opponent. Let's just say it was USC. I forget who was specifically. Uh, Mm. They were showing shots of the opponent's head coach and behind them was had someone with a phone and on the back of the phone was the logo of the opponent 
Oh, so so I mean, that seems a little like uh, smarmy there, right? Like, don't you think maybe they might be stealing signals? They're on the opposite sideline mm. of the game that's currently being played. <laughs> it's happening everywhere, right? right. Cheating. Everyone, everyone's trying to get it in, in, in professional sports. sports all over professional sports. I mean, it's this idea that the rules are a little bit liquid and, and the difference between like a rule that's written and a rule that's like ethically assumed. I mean, I mean, that's all the cheating in baseball. Nobody said you couldn't, you couldn't, you're not stealing them, right? You're, you're being smart and trying to intercept them. And there's like, no rule against banging against a trash can, right? There's no rule against banging against a trash can. 2019 with the Astros. Well, the thing that bothered yeah, me so yeah. much there mm. was the fact that it was so blatant and they did such a bad so job of it. Blatant. Right. <laughs> it was so blatant that's and, what i was gonna say and, yeah some teams are better at it than others if you're gonna do it you know don't have the logo of the opposing team or of your team on your phone right don't uh <laughs> don't bang the trash can right yeah wait a second <laughs> i i was actually the, the, the you know the number one thing i was surprised about that astro scandal was how did it take so long for baseball to react to this because Someone had to have picked up uh, at this dirt while that season was going on. Right? Can we talk yeah, about right. it for a second? Let's talk about it. Let's <laughs> talk about how let's talk about how your team got screwed out of going to the World Series, John. Jesus Christ. So many fucking times. So many times. And really, and this is the thing, and I'm really salty about it, because the the time for that team was then right absolutely not, that was a good yankees team it's not now and and that team has kind of been dispersed and aaron judge is older and i mean like there was a real electricity around that team when they won 112 games and we're the team to beat the whole season right but what are you gonna do um i i think that there are as many cheaters in professional sports and semi-professional sports as there are players i think everybody cheats everybody's, everybody's trying cheats. to get ahead um it's been going on for a really long time, right? Because <laughs> obviously there is a financial um, reaction to being successful. You know, your team makes money because they're in the playoffs. Your team makes money because they win World Series. Is if your team makes money, you make money. Just all kind of connects, right? So I wonder if that's why you don't see people notice it more. Uh, you know, the other teams say something because they're doing it too, right? You don't <laughs> they're they're training on their own cheating. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's I think funny. so, for sure. I think that's a really good point. Nobody wants to call out anyone else because they're doing it too. Well, I mean, the Yankees don't cheat. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> all, right. all right, Mr. Spider Tech. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think do. it was the same thing. Uh, yeah. if, you know, if you look at Lance Armstrong and, and the uh, steroids and uh, performance-enhancing drugs kind of overall in professional sports, you had so many people doing it. You don't want to call attention yeah. to something you're doing too. Yeah. The Astros are also a great baseball story. It proved I remember that moving leagues around made sense it proved that teams with tiny little five foot two players were really good I mean, yeah. like, a lot of Rick, cool I'm, uh, the, yeah. the whole lance armstrong thing isn't that that that's that's such uh like it's that's not really a black and white like how much good did lance armstrong do i know with him winning all those tour de france's even though he did it by right. cheating i was so disappointed and, when i found and that something out. something else that you can could possibly consider i mean cycling is one of the dirtiest sports out there i mean more you gotta more than half of those athletes are doping already they should just make right. doping legal just because oh, like, everyone's already doing it right 
Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. And, and they go to extreme lengths to not get caught. I mean, the, the technology involved in, in hiding it is Just is let them do it. Just let them <laughs> do it. <laughs> I need mandatory steroid use football leagues with body armor and maybe weapons. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, rocket launchers. Rocket launchers? How great is that? I'm sorry about that next topic there, Mr. McD. And speaking of the touted Houston Astros, in an epic seven-game battle for the American League and Texas, the Rangers beat the Astros in dramatic fashion to return to the World Series for the first time in 12 years. After entering this season with a franchise-long streak of six consecutive losing seasons, including, get this, 102 losses in 2021, uh, the wildcard Rangers are AL champions. And so tomorrow, that's... Actually, tomorrow, because I wrote it thinking of today, uh, starts an odd little World Series with two wildcard teams, all 100 game winners watching at home. John, you're buffering so much right now. Anyway, is this the World Series that Major League Baseball wanted? This was the number five seed in the AL Mm -hmm. versus the number six seed in the NL. This is certainly not the the World Series I think that they want. And and the Diamondbacks also had over 100 losses uh, two seasons ago. Yeah. Two Um, very bad baseball teams. Two, two years ago year, right actually last year they weren't so good either this they both of them did have quite the, tur- the so turnaround good. seasons that's i mean so now good. keep it keep in mind now t- the the rangers are in arlington which is close to dallas that's kind of a big market and and the diamondbacks play in the phoenix area again kind of a big market but not really big baseball cities they've I mean, been bad at baseball for a really really long time both teams yeah, the last time the Diamondbacks were in the World Series, I believe, was the Luis Gonzalez uh, uh-huh. uh, Diamondbacks. And told you, Texas, twelve years. All right, keep in mind they also had Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, but they were one mm-hmm. strike away um, from winning twelve years ago the twenty eleven World Series. Oh, okay. I didn't. So uh, see, this, that's not. I that didn't long actually ago. research this topic. Okay, that's not that long ago, but they're 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 not like the the big team that baseball wants the base baseball yeah. wants the yankees and the dodgers and the cubs and the red sox to be in the world mm-hmm. series but they they want the really good teams keep in mind all of the the number one te- the number one and the number two teams were all like didn't 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 do very well only one of them actually made it to the the lcs round Mm-hmm. Um, even the Phillies were the preferred team out of the AL because Philadelphia is a big, pretty big baseball market and a big sports city over the Diamondbacks. And there was a lot of momentum w- with the Phillies, um, but uh, they didn't they didn't do it. Uh, it was it was so amazing to actually see the reaction of the Phillies fans after they lost game seven too. they were all like, oh, you got to break up the team. This team is terrible. <laughs> Aren't they still pretty good? <laughs> like. They made it to the LCS. Right. I mean, come on. What do you expect? So, yeah, Rick, how, how has this impacted you down in Texas? That was the end of John's uh, uh, top uh, question. Sh- there. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, generally, I think folks here in, in Texas, uh, because there's a lot of state pride, right? Uh, I mean, a surprise in Texas. You have a lot of people that will cheer for a Texas team if their team's out of it. And so, so I, know, I know some folks that are still... Uh, you know, pulling for the Rangers now that the Astros are are out of the mm. out of the running. Um, you know, my my wife being from Houston, we normally uh, uh, you know go for the Astros, but um, I think this idea about the team, you know, to kind of two in America, I think it's good if you have like an underdog team versus like the really good team. It's a good story. Oh, that's a great story. If you have two underdogs, it's 
it's not that exciting. It's yeah. not that exciting. <laughs> yeah. No. Right. Um, but uh, but no, it, it, Dallas Fort Worth is a, is a huge market. Um, Absolutely. One of the things I think about Dallas versus Houston is there's this rivalry in the cities, kind of independent of sports. Uh, okay. You have it, it's very different, like the culture of Dallas and, and the culture of Houston. Um, hmm. You you also have like this Dallas versus uh, Fort Worth in the sense that you have kind of. Uh, Finance money versus versus cattle, but it's it's not like the, the you know Houston versus uh, uh, Dallas. There's a lot of animosity, so right. um, I think that that kind of got more people interested. Uh, you know, even not baseball fans. Um, where 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 does San Antonio lie in the whole Houston versus Dallas argument? Uh, pr- probably closer to Houston. I mean, we're hmm. we're kind of the very uh, we're, we're kind of just below the hill country in, in South Texas. Okay. And, and really, I think culturally, that's more aligned with Houston. Uh, Houston's closer, and there's a lot of uh, lot of trade. Is everyone really excited about Victor Weminyama? Have you even heard that name before? Because he is already lighting the NBA on fire already. To oh, change, you know who that is? Rick, Rick, do you know who Victor Weminyama is? Have you heard that name? I do not. Picture the so tallest he... man you can think of and add another foot. <laughs> He is a uh, he. He was the number one draft pick, and he's on the Spurs. Mm-hmm. So people in San Antonio, if you if you happen to throw that name out with other people within San Antonio, people are going to be very impressed, and they're probably going to talk your ear off about him because they're ve- he's he's essentially he's a genetic freak in the fact that I think he's he's listed as seven four. Hmm. I don't know how tall he really is, and then he's got like an eight foot wing. I almost wrote a Victor Weminyama article. So the reason I brought it up, and because he's very exciting to talk about. Um, he destroyed the Warriors in the last preseason game. In the opening game of the season, he, preseason. <laughs> in the opening game of the season, he scored eight points, got three blocks, mm-hmm. and one of his points was a three pointer in eighty eight seconds. Eighty eight. Yeah, he was, wow. and he was, wow. and he okay. was upset though that he his team lost. I know, uh, right? <laughs> because the Spurs are still pretty bad. That's why they the got Spurs the Spurs are traffic. awful. The Spurs awful, yeah. awful, awful. But. I mean, it's exciting to watch this guy who we thought would perform perform in yeah. the NBA. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of exciting. It's kind of cool. I'm a little disappointed in the Spurs because I think that they should have tried to do some some trades to mm. kind of make the team better around Wembanyama. I was going to say, I mean, like, no- how long to build from nothing? You know, how long does that take in the NBA if you have draft capital and things like that? It's not as hard because five players play at a time. I mean, you True. can really build a superstar team from three Victor Weminyam. I mean, right? You have to have... <laughs> yeah, you just need you, three. You have to you have... You just need three genetic freaks. <laughs> you have to have two players on your starting line that are better than the other team, and then you have to have somebody who kind of rests them. I mean, there are many teams that work with three stars. There's no teams that work with one star, but there's many that work with three. Yeah. Well, the ones that work with one star are the ones that generally don't, work, don't, don't win. Right, they yeah. don't win. Because like you definitely need at least two in the NBA, but three are the ones that Who's that John Morant's really well. team? The, the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are bad, and John Morant is great at base basketball. So he, Yeah, he's also good at shooting people. <laughs> he's also good at shooting people. <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> Sorry, he's faking shooting people. To, to right. bring it back one second to the World Series, I know Jeff would be upset if we stopped talking about baseball. Oh, yeah. Sorry um, <laughs> why the sudden interest in winning in texas this year because it was very clear they spent a shitload of money this year they went and got all Jacob the DeGrom, max scherzer it makes sense that they're great for to me that's what texas has always done though like they've 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 spent a lot of money 
in the past. I mean, they they got A Rod from from Seattle. They spent a lot of money on A Rod. I think they extended A Rod too. I could be wrong about that. Hmm. Uh, but Texas is definitely they're they're known for spending money, even though they're generally not very good at it or at, at the game of baseball. <laughs> Not very good at the game of baseball in the World Series. I think of all these starting games. In one, general, by the way. in general, they're they're they haven't been good. They they they're. I mean, we all like as we said on the show before. Momentum is very important, especially in the postseason. And they're they're riding a hot streak right now. Well, you know, um, I, I was going to say that I I think there's more interest since you had. Um, the you know the Astros in seventeen and nineteen make it, but I, I guess the the Rangers were in the World Series in twenty ten and, and you know two thousand eleven, right? So they're one strike away in two thousand eleven. They really should have won that series, honestly. But they uh, were very good in twenty eleven. I, I I don't know. I mean, I I have to think that that the recent success of the Astros probably brought some more attention in the state to the sport, and um maybe maybe it was again like the rivalry between Dallas and Houston, right? It's uh it's it's probably a bigger uh, draw than. You know, a Texas team versus versus a New England team. Yeah, that makes sense. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Though they they're 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 having a it's a huge detriment to the higher seeds to have them off for a whole week. They need to shorten the wild card round to one game again, mm. so that the higher seeds actually have a chance. Now I have an interesting question, though. Okay, with this being very clear, even statistically, that it's happening. And now that they have two small market wildcard teams in the World Series, is this what they wanted or not what they wanted? As this is, the no, M- this, is, this is clearly not what they want. This is not so? what they want. The World Series is losing out to Sunday night football. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Okay? That's not what you want. You, In order to get more ad revenue, you need to get people to watch you. And when, you're, when the World Series ratings is lower than the Sunday night football, hell, it's even lower than some, like regular just nfl football games you are not winning at the game of life right and after a season where baseball did much much better i think that that is true very 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 true yeah you have to think that there's going to be some changes right just based on revenue well they just made Um, this change literally just this is two seasons old well maybe revert or you know they need to change it back they need to change it back i was gonna say yeah that i mean it doesn't mean right just because they made the change because because the in the because the in-game revenue is a lot less than ad revenue right let's be honest next topic Ooh, a texas next topic i love it Oh, you got to keep that whole thing in there. Uh, Andre Iguodala (laughs) is a name that most NBA fans know, especially with his tenure with the Warriors while winning four titles with them. Overall, he played 19 seasons, was a pretty good score early in his career with the 76ers, although it is debatable whether or not he will be a Hall of Famer. Now, recently, he announced his next career as a venture capitalist with longtime business partner Rudy Klein Thomas and their firm Mosaic. Now, this company is trying to find the next big company in its infancy. Might I suggest this very podcast, Mr. Rick Udala. He he has also admitted that his ultimate goal is to own an NBA team, which would be fantastic because there are very few minority owners. So, everyone, are we impressed with Andre Iguodala's basketball career and envious of him joining a venture capital firm? I mean, no. (laughs) I think that something like venture capital is great for a retired um, professional sports player. Um, not a lot. A lot of people do it. 
are they good with their money? No. I'll bring up my constant reference to ballers. I think that the idea of ballers is very smart. Um, I think that you get done with an NBA career or an MLB career or an NFL career and you have all this money. Um, and even if you didn't make a lot, but a lot of them make a lot, even if you only made 10, 15, 20 million dollars, you need someone to tell you how to not just burn through that in three years. Now, Iguodala is, he's, he's not new to the whole venture capitalist game because he has been putting, investing money in businesses already. He apparently had a stake in Zoom for a while. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he still has it, but uh, that, that was one thing I saw during my research. Another thing that he's got his, his mitts in like some, um, some uh, sports management groups, as well as like some sports leagues. Like there's a golf league that he's got his, his name on. Can we talk about the time we met Kurt Schilling and he talked about his game company that he started? Oh yeah. That was at Comic-Con. That was at Comic-Con like yeah, he was 15 years ago. It was like Kurt Schilling the, trying to be just the, cool. And this just was before he brought down the us. whole entire state of Rhode Island. <laughs> yes, yeah, the whole this state. Was, uh, what was so the Kurt, what, Kurt what was Schilling the studio? Seventy million dollars, and he didn't have to pay yeah. any of it back. Right. Ugh. So Kurt Schilling retired. I'm not thirty-eight Kurt studios. It was Kurt, thirty-eight studios. I was going to bring it up, and what Mark is saying, Kurt Schilling retired. He took all his money. He got. Rhode Island to give him a real sweetheart deal. He opened up a big game company. He had these great ideas for this game he was going to make. Well, spoiler alert, the game never got made. The company went out of business and Rhode Island lost a lot of money. A yeah. lot of money. <laughs> like mm -hmm. a lot of money. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I think that that is an example on the other end of how this can go, right? That professional athletes are professional athletes. They're not money people and they need a money person. If they don't have a money person, there's going to be trouble. The what fact that the fact yeah. that Kurt Schilling right? hasn't been like uh, charged with any kind of fraud or anything like that by the state, I'm very mad at. Anyway, <gasps> go on. Rick's going to tell I, us what he thinks. I, I think it's interesting that you, you look at these uh, pro sports players and they, they tend to go towards businesses where, you know, I, th I think they're so used to getting fleeced by their money folks, right? You want to go for a business where it's That's a good word for it, fleeced. Mm. Yeah. And so, so you look at them and they go for like restaurants and, and car franchises. Uh, and the reason, the reason that, you know, you, you do that is, is it's easy to send an auditor in and say like, Hey, is this car dealership on the, on the up and up? Is somebody, you know, is somebody taking money from you? Um, so, so I, I really applaud him going for something that's more uh, ambitious. Uh, so, so I guess the question is if, if his goal is NBA ownership. So, so right now, you know, if he's sitting on a couple hundred million in this venture capitalist, how, how much money does he have to put away before he can buy a, a team? I mean, I'd imagine it's in the billions. Yes. Uh, NBA, NBA teams cost multiple billions worth of dollars. Oh, I, I believe, like NFL I believe the Suns was the last one. No, they're not quite NFL level, but, okay. uh, but they're close. Uh, I believe the, I, I think the Suns was the last team that got sold. And I believe it was like three or 4 billion. Oof. I could be wrong about that. It's so high. So, so he he really needs to do well. In Research department, look up that. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so I looked it up because I was curious. Some of was, the most surprising, uh, no, a different thing, but still. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, damn. So some of the most surprising professional athlete investors, one of the most successful ones, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal has yep. a major investment in a number of very, very successful um, We may or may friends. not be talking about Shaq in a uh, later topic. 
Yeah. Oh, excellent. And very many successful restaurant franchises, including Papa John's, Auntie Anne's, Five Guys, Krispy Kreme. Um, He's in like for every a little commercial while, because too. the Papa John's guy was a racist, he became the head of Papa John's. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> they were like, well, you can't be in charge anymore because you're yeah. terrible. So, I mean, um, he's a he's a VP at at Reebok, isn't he? Yes. So he, he's yeah. a, he's the president, and that is what we're going to talk about. So, talk yeah. about oh, so cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm uh, but, kidding. I'm kidding. You can talk about that. Uh, yeah, and I mean, he he's been really successful. Um, he's made a lot of good smart business moves, but because mm-hmm. he probably has a smart money guy. I trusts. think he's just smart too. He, he might have he's his own decisions himself. too. Yeah. He's also like seven six, three hundred and twenty pounds. He's seven two, seven and two. he's no, he's not quite that. <laughs> he was a large man, but he wasn't I mean, he quite li- like. I would th- I would think that that makes a lot of sense, and he likes to eat. And like the difference between the <laughs> other really successful professional athlete investors, Shaq <laughs> likes to eat all restaurants. Kobe Bryant was cool, all tech. Yeah, so Kobe. Kobe Bryant, before he passed, unfortunately, Kobe, Kobe Bryant's major investments, uh, Epic Games, um, Body Armor, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Alibaba. He invested in Alibaba on the ground So floor. That, that's, that's oh. the thing. These NBA uh, players, while, if, and I, I, this is a topic I haven't been, I've been kind of saving. So, like, you can now make $60 million a year as an NBA athlete. We, wait, we uh. will talk about that at a later episode. But anyway, <laughs> most, of, most of these athletes that have played in the NBA that have become super rich, AKA Michael Jordan do Mm -hmm. not make their money in playing the game of basketball. It's using that money as seed money for other kind of business ventures. Like Shaq has done, like Kobe has done, like LeBron has done. And now Andre Iguodala. So, you know, I I saw an interview with, with, uh, with Shaq, I don't know, about a year ago. Um, I think it was an older, older clip, but he was talking about uh, teaching his kids about responsible money handling. Oh yeah. And it was, it was a really good, uh, I mean, it, he like refuses to give his kids money. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) make sure they're well enough to do. He's like, like, I didn't didn't have money. You figure it out. Oh my God. Do more, do more Shaq impression. That was my Shaq impression. That's that's my Shaq impression. (laughs) And we're done. My name is Shaq. Do your next topic voice. Do your next topic in a Shaq voice. I'll be like, hey. this is Shaq. Hey, th- this is Shaq. Next topic. <laughs> that's Scotchy Shaq. That's, right. that's Scotchy that Shaq. Scotchy Shaq. <laughs> and so now for something completely different, but I know what my last two topics are. Um, Tomorrow, and again, I looked up the date. So tomorrow actually marks the 30th anniversary of Nirvana's In Utero and Aww. it being celebrated by the remaining Nirvana team with an eight, eight LP reissue and a brand mm. new remaster, which includes... 53 new tracks, and two complete never-heard-before concerts. Uh, In the dying days of rock music, uh, it seems fitting to spend time on the band that was the start of so much modern music. Uh, In a recent interview with Conan O'Brien, the band, as well as Steve Albini, um, the producer of In Utero, speak out about the difference between the band band and Nevermind and in In Utero and the differences between Albini and Butch Vig. Um, so I'd like to take a moment to talk about Nirvana's impact on modern rock music, the differences between Nevermind and In Utero, and in general, the impact of instant mega fame on young celebrities. Could you imagine if Where do we begin? Kurt Cobain had to kind of be in today's society with social media? 
I mean, Kirk Cobain had an anxiety disorder. and <laughs> yeah. Absolutely had anxiety disorder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, Dave talks about it all the time. Dave talks about how quiet of a person that Kurt was, how good of a person Kurt was. And so, you know, they were, what, 20? Um, they were so young. If yeah. Instantly yeah, right. famous. Guys who were living in Seattle out of a van, like literally. And then all of a sudden, they're famous, right? Elvis, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they talk about how, unfortunately, Kurt turned to heroin. And... Yeah. Um, then he tried to beat heroin and he didn't. And he tried to beat heroin again and he didn't. And I mean, there's some talk. Um, it's actually the interview with Conan is so interesting. Um, I did Albini, see like a, an eight minute chunk of that. It was really, really cool. Listened, I listened to that uh, on the drive in today. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, really, really, really good. And I think very, um, unlike Conan, like very professional. It's like to really get into the meat of what they were thinking at the time. And um the difference between Albini and Vig, which I never really delved into, but I was really curious about Pete's thoughts about that. Yeah, it's Ooh. it's interesting. It's two very different approaches. I mean, both are legendary producers and, and audio engineers uh, in their own right. Just very different mindsets. Um, Vig is, is a little bit more of like the... Man, I guess they're both kind of audio nerds in, in different ways. But, um, you know, Vig's approach, it, it's it's weird because he didn't mix nevermind he produced it and, and recorded it and, and some of the methods they were using at the time were actually a little bit even ahead of their time or you're using a lot of things that nirvana as a band were very skeptical about like kurt cobain doubling his voice and he's like oh why, why would i ever do that that's some studio bullshit and he's like butch vague had to convince me he's like you know that's what the beatles did on like every track in the 60s and suddenly <laughs> kurt was like oh okay yeah i guess we can do that <laughs> and so um you know, stuff like that to Dave Grohl. I mean, I think the kick drum on Smells Like Teen Spirit was like uh, the, just a, a, the kick beater thwapping on a uh, <laughs> thwapping. P- yes, on a piece of cardboard in front of like a long me- like plastic tube and they put the microphone at the other end to get like the bass from it or something. And then like they used uh, a drum sample on his snare drum for some of that. I mean, so cool. that kind of and that's very Butch Vig influence there i mean he went on to helm the van garbage right who is very like that industrial kind of synth and like lo-fi rock that, that use a lot of those Talking techniques garbage super Oof. cool meanwhile steve albini is audio purist right he knows he knows reel-to-reel 24 track tape and how to manipulate it and get the best out of it better than any human being he knows how to calibrate it by hand. I, I watched a two-hour video of Steve Albini in a studio session doing it 100% analog, and it was one of the most insightful and cool things. He is an, an audio nerd and genius. And uh, One I heard I, um, from, I this interview, from this interview, um, and Albini, and actually um, Grohl as well, they, they chose him because they wanted to sound like they sounded, and I think that mm-hmm. that's what they were doing. Um, uh, they he was the perfect like guy they, for that perfect guy and um and conan focuses on this in the interview but there was and and kurt was a little disturbed at that point but he was so focused on the the album itself being overproduced and he thought it was overproduced but really novacelic and girl are like this is what we sound like kurt this is this is us now and we're, we're not a bad band anymore Right. And I mean, right. They, they played extremely well. I mean, I attribute a lot of that to Dave Grohl's incredible, like just natural drum acumen and and just, you know, musicianship. But Albini was great at getting the absolute 
top fidelity out of natural sounds and recording. And, and that's, that's why it works so well, I think. But I do agree with Kurt that I'm, while he, he was not happy with the mixing on it and I'm not sure how much Albini had to do with that. Um, he, and, and I agree that there are some parts of, of in utero where I feel like, man, if this was just mixed a little bit better with some more modern, uh, flourishes with it it would sound so cool so i'm actually kind of so excited too. to hear this remaster I, I wonder if they actually went back to the reel to reels and really tried to get more out of it um because i know the album that we got in 1993 already was sent to a different engineer to remix at least three of the songs because the, the wow. band as a whole were not happy with it they remastered the whole album every song every song that's, got remastered and that's cool. the, the the idea that albini is promoting it probably means he was part of it i would assume i hope so yeah, and I mean they changed the face of music. Uh, you know, for for one brief, bright period of time, they completely changed everything and threw it on its head. You, you went from Michael Jackson to every un, unknown grunge band out of Seattle, and and a you know a snap yeah. of a finger. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that's I, the crazy thing. You 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 know between like September and December of '91, right? They they went from yeah, yeah uh, uh, you know just to, to becoming like the number one band in the world yeah and and from their discovery right super rocketed bands like soundgarden who was already established i mean pearl jam who had just come out with an album a few months before nevermind but didn't get its real traction until nevermind blew up i mean it's, it's just so so cool and such a weird era and i remember one of the things they said in conan's interview which i thought was interesting was you know they said it like the span of when Nirvana blew up to when Kurt died was such a short amount of time. You're, you're talking mm -hmm. less than two years mm -hmm. I, I, well, or maybe, maybe about two years and a couple months, but they said to them, it felt like it was over a decade just because yeah. so much happened in so short amount of time that they were never able to rest for a second. And I'm, I'm sure that took its toll on Kurt. Um, you know, Grohl was in certain ways grateful for it, but of course I don't think any human is quite prepared especially if they did it through legitimate means like to to be in that much of the spotlight and become that much of like a commercial tool the way a lot of those bands were in dave's book and i think dave's autobiography came out three years ago now um he talks about how great of a person kurt was and how sad it was to watch him implode yeah that, mu that must have been really sad it is time for the next topic yes so as we foreshadow we're going to talk about Shaq. Now, Shaq hey, is a well-known celebrity in the world of sports entertainment. It's me, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be deeper. Uh, oh, hey, now, put some he ice also, on that. He also has <laughs> his hands in multiple businesses and appears in multiple commercials. Icy Hot, not a sponsor. His latest <laughs> job, though, is president of Reebok Basketball. And he <laughs> recently turned heads after signing LSU basketball star Angel Reese to an endorsement deal. Now, for those, he did. for those that don't yeah. remember, Reese Fuck and yeah. her team won the NCAA championship this past April, and she's received lots of press after taunting Iowa guard Caitlin Clark with a you-can't-see-me gesture. <laughs> so, everyone, what are our thoughts on Shaquille O'Neal signing Angel Reese as his first deal with Reebok? That is the coolest thing I've heard today, honestly. That's so cool. I was trying uh, to find the, what the terms were, but I just know it's a multi-year endorsement deal. Is it an, it's like an NIL deal? Yes. All right. And that, I mean, that's what's happening right now. Um, there, and we talked about it on previous, but like there's a lot of major companies that are signing and a lot of major companies are signing women first, not men, which is also kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think Angel Reese is really exciting. I think it's a good time for it. The WNBA is really exciting. I think this past seven-game series between the Aces and the New York Liberty was one of the biggest sells in yeah. MSG this whole year. They sold out every game. It wasn't MSG. They play at the, uh, the Barclays. Ah, oh, they play at Barclays. Mm-hmm. Hey, Barclays is awesome, too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a really good arena. And... Now, Reese was, uh, according to a poll by Sports Pro Media, she was actually named the 19th most marketable athlete. Yeah, That's pretty good. Fun, and she's young, and she's cute, and she's good at basketball. I mean, I think she's going to really be very, very successful. I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised she didn't jump into WNBA after winning the championship. Yeah. She, she's, I, she came back for her senior year. At the end of the day, I think mm-hmm. that college athletes are in a pos- the best position they've ever been in well you know i, I think, think the, the fact that she's able to market it for her senior year probably helps with the yeah. decision to stay That's well she's true, on yeah. a, she's on a winning team and they're they're gonna try and and defend their crown and they have a great coach and, and kim mulkey i, I think, I think I, some I, would I, say too um mm-hmm. playing basketball for lsu is a better place than any bad WNBA team that she would get drafted on. I mean, yeah, it's definitely more inter- It's definitely more national recognition. As LSU is a, it's a big, you know, big eight team, a big team. Yeah, right? I mean, but she's you- gonna have this Reebok deal when she when she starts with the WNBA at the okay. in, in the next year. Or so yeah, but I mean, I'm sure she's still got a competitive fire. Like she, she's probably gonna. Hey, you know what? If I'm going to get picked first yeah. or second overall to one of the worst teams in the WNBA, I may as well take my time in college and enjoy We're it. Gonna go first. She's yeah. very good at basketball. Yeah. So, uh, you know, t- 20 years ago, whenever I went down to LSU with Oak, I, I think there was a huge uh, amount of tailgating going on. And I think it was for the Lady Tigers. I think it was actually for the women's basketball team. Uh, but it would, I mean, the, the campus was just, they take tailgating really seriously there. Yeah, they do. Oh, down in Louisiana? Um, absolutely. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was crazy. There's probably um, crab boils everywhere too, right? Yeah, uh, or crawfish boils. I mean, you were close. I knew that was one meant. thing. That, no, they, it could be either or. That that was one thing I remember actually. So I used to have a job that took me down to Louisiana a lot, and we did like home deliveries. And uh, a lot of people were just like they were waiting for the delivery, and they were just doing a, a, some kind of seafood boil right there. It was actually kind of fun. That's awesome. I like um, the idea of the first major move that Shaq does as the president of a major brand is to um, sign a um, African-American woman. I think that that's great. It's a great. Um, it was definitely a very uh, a, a, a deliberate move that he made. Yeah. Right? Smart. Right. Smart. He's like, this is the voice that we are doing when I'm in charge. This mm-hmm. is what we're doing. We're making good moves, signing good players, no matter what they look like, no matter where they come from. And sure. um I think to be successful in sports marketing, I, I think that that's a really good place. And is what we were talking about before. I think that Shaq is just maybe a smart businessman. He's an incredibly smart businessman. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got his fingers on everything. You, you, we talked about Icy Hot. We talked about Papa John's. He's got his fingers in a lot of businesses. Isn't like he some definitely is makes... The best. The best bad pizza you'll ever have. Not a sponsor. Is that like some general, the general or something car insurance company too? Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he was spoken for that too. He's not. Wow, he's, what's I, that song? I, I think he does song. more commercials yeah. than Eli Manning. I mean, come on, he's know, out there seriously. a lot. Nobody does more commercials than Eli Manning, except for Shaq. You right. see the but, big head. So the big I head actually, he got of uh, yeah. of <laughs> yeah, it was funny. So I actually, this, this is actually what I think. I think Shaq made this move not because of the social or political ramifications from it. 
I think he actually made this as a as a smart business choice because because of social or political moves around it. Well, yeah, I mean, yes and no. Like Angel Reese is going to probably be a very big star one day. And you sign her now, it's going to be a lot cheaper than probably signing her five years from now. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Said my friends Ben Affleck and Matt Damon when they signed Michael Jordan this year. I was going to watch that movie over the weekend and I didn't. Yeah, I was too and I didn't. I'm going to watch it. It looks great. I love them and I love that story, but. Is that on streaming somewhere? Yeah. It's on Prime. It's on Prime. Prime is actually doing really well. Prime has a lot of Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor, but you could be. Final topic. Yep. I, I like how Pete threw in a bass line there. Yes. Your turn. It's the final topic. <sighs> so, as warned, I'm going to bring us all down. I think it's not a far stretch to say that we truly live in the darkest timeline. Um, with an <laughs> aging sitting president and the 2024 election looming, there are many candidates looming in the wings. Oh, we've got so far without talking about political topics. So uh, we're we're going to do, do it, it now. now. We're and I know end. he loves politics. Uh, currently, 16 people. 11 Republicans, three Democrats, and two independent candidates are running for president. A reading through most of the candidates' stances on the points is something out of a nightmare. And this includes um, candidate Marianne Williamson, former spiritual advisor to Oprah, and her views on <laughs> mental illness. Um, oh, man. Is it possible to crawl out of the political hole the country has dug itself into? Or are we witnessing the start to the end of a democracy? We made it. Third, this is our 38th episode. <laughs> And this is the first time that we're talking about politics. John and I, well, I think, as, as a specific topic, yes, as a specific topic, John and I have actually made, I, th- I think, very big strides without talking about politics. And you've opened up a floodgate now, John. We've been pretty Hell yeah. <laughs> so th- listen, this is what I don't like about, especially with presidential elections. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to fundraising. There's a yeah. reason why we had two late. 70-year-old white men (laughs) as the presidential candidates for three years ago. Excuse me. Yeah, it's... Because they were the ones that raised the most money. Were they the two best candidates? Probably not. But they were two candidates that raised a lot of money and had had a lot of name recognition. Yeah, we went from one old white man to another old white man. And I think that's really very poor of the Democratic Party to almost win the election with Hillary. And this is not just this is not just a Democratic Party. This is this is both. This is the political system. And decide, though, that the answer to almost getting a woman in office was another old white man. I think that that's really poor. (laughs) I mean, right. The, the idea that winning is more important than anything is is a problem. And it, it yeah. rolls into the fact that I think that our political system has become very profitable for for politicians. Absolutely. And it's become, yeah. you know, the idea of it, you know, 200 years ago was it wasn't supposed to be a job. You're supposed to do it for free out of service of your it's country. Supposed to be there shouldn't have been the same yeah. thing as a career politician. There no, really no, wasn't no. supposed no, to be. That I that's one thing that I wish with. the that's one thing that I wish the forefathers thought about when they first started, you know, writing out the book the constitution and whatnot. Like you were not supposed to 
be serving in the government was supposed to be a public service. It but that's wasn't what they, supposed they to make you rich. About, they did think about it. They said that's not what it's supposed to be, and now it is. Yeah, right? but unfortunately, it's rich. totally become that. It's totally become that. Yeah, Bernie they're, they're, Sanders himself is a millionaire. He was the one that was so against millionaires, and now he's a millionaire. Well, he's against billionaires, I think. That's that's (laughs) well. well, Now it's billionaires. He's got he's got to make a thousand times the money to Uh, to get there. Tomatoes, tomatoes, Pete. That's an awfully (laughs) small roll to walk on. It's it's easy to be against millionaires, you know, until someone flips the check in front of you, right? Exactly. (laughs) And when you're put in that position, when you when you are not when you're not a millionaire, you just think that oh, all the rich are out to get us and whatnot, and then you. You put that shoe on the foot and all of a sudden, oh, I want to get in on this game, right? See, that's what I, I was going to say, like, I don't consider a millionaire is really rich. They're just, that's like. <laughs> I mean, I consider a millionaire rich. You want to give me a million dollars? I mean, yeah, it's way more rich than we are, but I mean, it's. <laughs> well, com- yes, compared to the however many billionaires there are in the world right now, you're absolutely right. A millionaire compared to a billionaire is not or, as rich. Or a, a billionaire, whatever, you know, people that have over. Or a hundred billion. Like, what are you ever going to do with that in your life? Go to the moon. <laughs> yeah, I guess. No, start a company so you can go to the moon. Right. <laughs> buy a uh, buy a, t- a team. Who's uh? Who do you think is going to be our first trillionaire? Mm. Can we just stay on presidents? There's so much to no, talk about. I don't want to talk about presidents. Well, you, well I mean, we, we've divulged. I don't want to talk how there's probably going to be two 80 year old, almost 80. Well, one is going to be 80. One is going to be almost 80. 78 that's on probably, inauguration yeah. day. That's, that's probably what what's going to be what's going to happen. Like, I mean, as let's just honestly talk about Biden's age for a second. Um, I think I mean, that he doesn't know where he is, honestly. <laughs> And I think that that's a problem. And I don't really mind him. As, I mean, he was a little bit of a lame duck president. He hasn't really done anything. He was, totally, he was totally an overcorrection. Right. I don't mind him being reelected because his department is pretty good. And then we're kind of doing okay. But I do mind him vo- being reelected. Who is going to vote for a lame duck there's president so who hasn't done anything in four years? But there's the question, well, Pete. Because the alternative who? is the alternative is. Who? Donald Trump. Well, who is who is the better alternative right now in the Democratic Party? Because it's there's not Kamala. Two, yeah, exactly. Well, that, there's there's just two awful choices right now that mm. it's probably going to happen. And it's like, not Marion Williamson because that woman is crazy. <laughs> well, that's no. the thing. The loudest talkers are the ones that are getting the votes. And I mean, that's would, not that's not how right. it should be. No, I would say Cortez, but she's not old enough yet. I don't think, right? She, no, she she's, she's she too win. far left too. She took. She wouldn't win. No way. That's who. What do you, Rick? What do you think? Being yeah. in government sector. Well, uh, so officially, I, I can't have a, a policy. Officially, on you can't have a policy. Officially, right? in fact, yeah. No, 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 we're, no, not, we're, we're not recording for the next. Uh, we're not recording for the next two minutes, Rick. Go. No, we are. <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk about it. We'll just keep moving. <laughs> That's a fair answer. Pete can't talk about his movies. It's all good. No, no, it's yeah. It's it's a hatch act. You can't. You can't. I can't say anything good or bad about a politician uh i, I mean I, I endorsing but um you know it, it is uh i think i think the influence of money on um on politics is pretty pretty ugly absolutely and oh, yeah it's not just the president it's also oh you definitely know, I mean, not you, you see like the speaker of the house i mean that's the person's picked no matter what people say right they, they vote for the speaker of the house that brings in the most lobbyist money yeah, the same thing, you know, if you're running for Congress or, or Senate, it's really, you know, 
closing those deals, getting the money in, getting your campaign absolutely uh, on the air. Um, I mean, there's and, a straight up mega church pastor from Texas running for president on the Republican Party this, um, already. I mean, he probably won't make it through, but Ryan Binkley, he seems like a monster to me. <laughs> and um, it's just uh, there's so many bad choices. Just so, so many there's bad so, choices. There's all, just awful choices in both parties. Like, I don't like this current current state of our politics. And I don't see it changing anytime soon. It's just going to get more and more polarizing. Well, we just need, honestly, if it wouldn't be so abused, I would love something along the lines of a constitutional Congress. Because I think that the document we currently have is just not ready for the speed of today's world. I don't think mm. it's ready for the internet. I don't think it's ready for people who are smarter than Senate, all of Senate. I mean, Zuck goes in there. Zuck and, and Bezos and all those guys, they go in there and they talk and they, the politicians just shake their head. and. Zuck is like, you guys are all stupid. <laughs> well, th this is this is what I see for how politics could potentially change. Someone is who is going to have some kind of political platform is going to go viral. And more and more are going to recognize that particular name. And then that particular name will essentially get, you know, you, you know, you, uh, you get enough subscribers on YouTube then you get you get uh, paid by YouTube and so on and so forth, or Instagram and or whatever social media platform it was mm. or it is. So you get money in that way, and then all of a sudden now you have more people trying to follow you, listening to what you have to say. That is the only thing that I can see right now that's going to change the norm is someone that is not in the political party or or just just outside of the political game the uh right now is just going to they're going to have a platform donald you're they're describing have, donald trump though in a sense yes i am and no, no <laughs> and, and you're you're absolutely right about that you're absolutely right the reason people that. like him by Slightly the way that he doesn't give a maniac version <laughs> he just well, doesn't he also, give it. i mean trump uh, he was able to capitalize on kind of traditional media Yes, uh, and and some some uh, internet to, to an extent, but I I think you know Mark what you're Twitter, saying is maybe exactly Twitter. Yeah, you could see somebody that really uh, somebody young that really can can uh, fully exploit kind of the modern um, internet. Someone could totally do that. Someone could totally do that. Oh yeah, you would just have to be 35 years old and U.S. citizen, right? That's all you need to do to become a U.S. president. Can we talk about the um, the influence on AI generated content in this upcoming election too? Like, oh, there's totally there's going to be a lot of deep fakes coming out. There's going to be, you know, the, the deep right is going to or the far right, excuse me, is going to do some deep fake content with Joe Biden saying like the most like in, insane things. But they're But the left is going to do the same thing with Trump. Yeah, it, probably. I've already seen some bad deep fakes uh, because it's too easy now. Right. Like anybody yeah. can get on and uh, you just you just tell. Uh, uh, you know, being hey, make me an image. You know what's awful, right, yeah, Rick? Though, true. like, it, like it could be so apparent that this is a fake video, but if someone agrees with that message, they're going to believe that it's true. Well, I, right. I'm sure you guys have experienced this with your older relatives. Um, they, they, they're too gullible. You know, like if I, if I don't I think it's, like, I don't think it's a gullible. Gu I don't think it's a gullibility I mean, thing. I think, it I, is think a little, I think it is a little bit. But they just want to, people just want to hear someone that agrees with them, right? We've said this multiple times. Huh. Yeah, That's I mean, true. It, but the idea mm. that their computer, for someone who is in their, let's say, 70s, like my parents, and I'm going to talk about my parents specifically, the idea 
that their computer is lying to them is very foreign to them. They're like, well, this is my computer. Very foreign, why would it, very foreign, why yeah, would it lie that to is me? Tough. Why would I see something on my computer that isn't real or isn't true? Or I saw it on the internet, so it has to be real. I mean, the, the things like that, they just have a hard time grasping that it's very easy to fake things and it's very easy to lie when the internet is just able to give you that information direct to your brain yeah i think we may be in a unique time period too where we're we're where the technology has we're in the darkest so, timeline right darkest but i mean timeline. a specific point of that timeline where the technology has blossomed so fast to be able to do this and yet we still have enough people alive and registered that are registered voters that don't understand it yeah. and didn't grow up it's with only it. gonna get worse it's only gonna get so worse. so it's I'm, I mean, I'm to a point, optimistic. and then eventually, you know, I think people will be more the wiser. You have a lot of politicians now that are very old, you know, like like the the, the current front runners, um, but That's also in the Senate the and the House. And, yeah, yeah, there's some really people kind of dying people in place. In but Mitch there, McConnell, Mitch McConnell is in the middle of a press conference and he freezes. <laughs> he did that multiple times. Multiple times. The yeah. man is 81 years old. Like, he might dude. be a robot. Right. <laughs> he's ai he's uh, ai generated we didn't see right. it from it's, the it's back a, they just they replace his battery but you know <laughs> what, what's happening is is really you see the parties kind of eating their seed corn they're not they're not uh yeah. building up the next generation of leaders no uh no because they want to hold on to their power they, they want to hold on to their, their power, power. Their money. Uh, but you know what death comes for all of us right i mean you can't hold on to sure. your power forever so uh maybe maybe things will be different once you once that you have a turnover there you go, Rick. That'll be your political platform. Death comes go. for all of us. <laughs> there you go. It's a, it's a, it's, yeah, a, it's 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 hey, that's a universal platform. Future's going to be interesting. Everybody, get your popcorn. Man. I'm not going to get to bed till like 3 a.m. now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Ooh, Pete, do the video. Oh yeah. Sorry. Oh, Hold do on I have to prompt? Mark. Do I have to prompt the video? Um, how do I do this? So we have a spooky Halloween video for you guys that was made by my friend Paul Hill. He's a musician, a musician in the Albany area, and um. Thought it would be good for a Halloween episode. So, once Pete gets it going, <laughs> this is this is pretty trippy. Yeah, he's he's he he makes this mod uh, this prog rock stuff um all digitally created. Um, I think he used a an ASCII um like a like a game what does this have thing. to do with the podcast? <laughs> it's Halloween and a little trippy. This is what the future in politics will look like. <laughs> Oh my god, John! John, you should you should totally post this on our social media. By the way, yes, this is kind of amazing. All right, well, I'm going to start this over. So that has been our <laughs> ten topics. We'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Thank you, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Please subscribe to us on our YouTube channel and follow or like us on our socials at If These Balls Pod on X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. Our website is www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com. This is Mark Pesci and for my partner John Campania and producer Pete Steffen. That's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.